Okay, it's time for the kids to come up. Pastor Bob has a message for you. Well, good morning. How are you guys today? Hey, I wanted to tell you guys or share with you something that I'm really excited about. I do too, but that's not what we're talking about right now. Did you guys know that I'm fat? Yes. Yeah, I am. No, it's okay. Talk about the elephant in the room and everyone looks at me. It's okay. I'm not upset about it. But the one thing that I wanted to let you know, and I'm letting the congregation know as well, is God has really moved in my heart that I need to do something about this. And so what I've been doing is I'm being very intentional about watching what I eat. I'm not limiting myself in the sense that I'm not allowed to eat stuff. But I have to be careful about not having more food that I'm supposed to have in any one day so that I can lose weight. And to date, since March, I've been trying to lose weight. And to date, I have lost 26 pounds. Now, I am not saying I lost 26. I took them off. Okay, and I see a difference about that. I didn't lose them. I want to go back and find them. I removed them and cast them away. And Lord willing, I will continue to remove more weight. My goal is still, I have over 120 pounds to go still, but God is blessing. One of the things though that I have to do while I'm eating, while I'm doing this eating plan, is that whenever I get hungry, I'm supposed to eat food. I'm not supposed to have big meals five or six times a day, but I'm supposed to have little meals six or seven times a day. So guess what? Mm, It's almost time for me to eat and I'm hungry, so I don't want to mess up because we're having cake downstairs and I don't want to be super hungry when we have cake downstairs so I'm going to take a few minutes and have some food right now if that's okay is it all right okay so I am going to get some food and have some food I need to get the table fixed so that I can have my food what's wrong with your table okay and I'll sit here and I've got my food now This is my water, because I drink a lot of water while I'm trying to lose weight. But I don't really like drinking out of metal so much, so I brought myself a glass. And I don't like eating just off of paper plates and stuff, so I have a nice plate. This is a plate that my daughter got me. It's really cool. I love this plate, and I use it a lot. And then when I eat, I don't like plastic forks and spoons, so I brought some fork and a knife and a spoon from from my house oh and because i have a mustache i always get food you can put your hand down because i'm not taking any questions i always put my my napkin right here because i have to have a napkin because i smear food all over my oh and guess what my wife made chicken with mashed potatoes and gravy and salad with cucumbers and, and and carrots and little tiny tomatoes that she cut and ranch dressing and I wanted to have some of that so I brought some of that but I'm I also like to have a little bit of salt and pepper 
So I got some salt and pepper. Oh, and one of the other things, I always have a problem because I have a tooth that the dentist, when he fixed my tooth, he got it too close to the other tooth. And every time I have a meal, I always have to have a toothpick because I always get food stuck right here. So every time I have a meal, I have my tooth. So I got my plate and I got my fork and my knife and my spoon and my napkin, my cup and my water and my salt, my pepper and my toothpicks. And now I get to have the chicken and the mashed potatoes and my mouth is watering. I'm so excited. I forgot to put the food in the bag. Oh, man. My mouth was so watering to have food. That was kind of silly to not put the food in the bag. I mean, I put everything else in the bag, but I didn't put the food in the bag. That was silly. Do you know, in the Bible, there is a story about a person who was just as silly as me. Because they had Jesus. Physically visiting in their house. And they spent the entire day in the kitchen preparing food for Jesus. Instead of sitting in the living room visiting with Jesus. Do you know that's It's a crazy story. Let me read it to you. It's in the book of Luke. It's chapter 10. Some of the adults are very familiar. And some of the teens, I've, I mean, some of the kids have seen already your faces. You're going, ah, I know what you're talking about, pastor. This is in the found in the book of Luke, chapter 10. And you know what? Something I learned today, not today, but this week when I was looking at this. This is the only point in the Bible where it's actually mentioned these people. I thought they were all through the Bible. They're not. They're only in this one little passage talking about this time when Jesus came to their home and they didn't spend time with Jesus. So it's Matthew, excuse me, Luke chapter 10 verse 38 until the end. It said, now as Jesus and his followers were walking down the road, Jesus decided to enter a village called Bethany. And in that village, there was a woman whose name was Martha. And Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. And she had a sister named Mary who also lived with her at the house. And when Jesus came into their house, Jesus came and sat on their couch and began teaching them all about the things of God. And Mary sat on the floor listening to Jesus. She spent the whole afternoon just listening to Jesus teaching her about God. But while she was on the floor listening, sitting on the floor listening to Jesus, where do you think Martha was? Martha was in the kitchen. Martha was getting dishes ready and getting forks and knives and spoons ready and making sure the food was cooked and making sure all the vegetables were cut up for the vegetable tray and mixing up the dressing for the vegetables and mixing up the drinks so that they would have lemonade and some tea and she was getting it all ready and she was so frustrated because she wanted to have a chance to listen to Jesus but there was so much that had to be done. And so she got angry and she came out in the living room and she was angry and she said, Jesus, tell my sister to come into the kitchen and help me. There's stuff that has to be done. And Jesus looked at Martha 
And he said, Martha, Martha, you're very worried about things that don't have to be done right this second. Come and sit with me for a while. Let's talk for a while. And then all of us can go into the kitchen and help get the food ready. Won't that be better? And so we're not told that that's what happened. But I like to think, I like to think that Martha actually just came and sat down next to her sister on the floor and listened to Jesus for the rest of the afternoon. And then when Jesus was done teaching, then they all went into, put your hands down. I'm not taking any questions or comments. They all got up and went into the kitchen and worked together to prepare a meal. And then they sat down together and talked and visited at the table. So what do I want us to learn from this? It's more important to spend time with Jesus than it is for you to sing songs or even read your devotional book. If somebody has given you a little book that has 15 or 20 pages, I mean, 15 15 or 20 lines of writing that talk about God, it's more important to actually spend time with God. Yes, we should read the Bible. Yes, we should worship. Yes, we should we should do all of the things that are churchy. But it's possible for you to read the Bible and possible for you to to sing songs. It's possible for you even to come to church and never pay any attention to Jesus. And so I want to encourage you guys as as young people, I want you to learn at this age that it's most important that you spend time listening to God and not worry about all the other stuff because that's what Jesus said was most important. Spending time with Jesus and listening to his teaching and learning from him. Yes, it's wonderful that we can share a meal around a table or get together for a party or even come to church. But if we don't pay attention to God, if we don't listen for God's voice, it's just it's just a waste of time. So, yep, I did. All right, let me pray with you guys. And then you're going to be released to go to your teacher. Jesus, I ask that you would bless these kids. And I ask, Father, that this lesson that's a little bit beyond them, I'm sure, would settle in in a place that you can bring it back later. Where they can understand, Father, that it is so important to spend time with you and not spend time talking about you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, kids, you can go with your folks. And I hope that the object wasn't wasn't lost on the adults. Yeah, you're you're well. Believe me, I wasn't lying. Renee made uh, she got rotisserie chicken at uh, Costco, and then she made mashed potatoes from scratch and gravy. And oh my word, it was amazing. Um, Craig, there's a, there's a, a, a video I want you to show. It's only four minutes long. I'd like us to watch this and listen to it.
Go ahead and click. On, there you go. How many of you noticed the two misspellings of the word here? Why were you worried about that? Don't 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 answer. What difference did it make to the message God was trying to say to you through that song? How many of you were distracted by our dear little child who got a little bit upset in the middle of the song? See, the challenge that we have is setting aside all of the stuff and fixing our minds on Christ. The words of that song were simple. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Who are you? Who am I that you are thinking of me? That you're near me when I call. Simple message. Simple message. Powerful, powerful, incredible God words to our spirit. But the enemy tries to get you to focus on the fact that the person who put the video together doesn't know how to spell or that children get bored when videos are playing or that a mosquito goes by. And we have an incredible opportunity, just like Martha, to be face to face with the Almighty. To hear directly from this being who is above all. And we miss it. And this isn't Bob trying to make anyone feel badly. This isn't me trying to point fingers because they're all pointing back at me, quite frankly. But it is a, a skill that needs to be honed. It is an intentionality that needs to be practiced. And I want to talk to us this morning about what does it mean for the Almighty to be a friend? Now, for some of you who might say, well, that's because we in our 1900s and 2000s now, um, we've, we've, we've brought daddy down to daddy. We just made him Papa. We just made him, you know, nice and fluffy and cushy, but he's really God. But I will tell you, I can show you in the scriptures where it says that God himself identified human beings as a personal friend. You don't have to turn here, but if you will write it down and mark it down later, James chapter two, verse 23 says, Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. If you look in Exodus chapter 33 verse 11. It says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. God interacts with us on a way that we can receive and we can understand. Jesus himself on this earth had close, personal friends. Mary and Martha were a couple of them. Their brother Lazarus was a very dear friend. If you look at John chapter 11, verse 11, where, John, where Lazarus has died... And Mary and Martha had sent a message to Jesus saying, the man who you love, your friend is dying. He's very, very sick. You need to come. 
And then Jesus, it says, once he gets that news, has to hold back a couple days because God has a purpose. John chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, "Um, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going to awaken him. Now, he said, our friend. Jesus, on the face of the earth, walking around, had friends. If you look in John chapter 15, and this one you can open to because we're going to stay here for a little bit. Turn to John chapter 15. If you, if you, without looking, were asked, what is John chapter 15 about? Most of you would probably talk about the vine and the branches and being grafted in and being a wild olive shoot because that's, that's the, the gist of the first half of the chapter. But if you look at verse 12 through 17, it says this. Jesus is speaking. These are the, this is after the, um, after the Last Supper has ended. This is after Judas has left the room to go and betray Jesus. This is Jesus spending his last hours on the earth with his friends and he's giving them the instruction that they need. And in John chapter 15 verse 12, it says, this is my commandment that you love one another in the same way as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than that they lay down their life for their friends. In verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. 16, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. There is incredible, powerful, powerful message here. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So people who are Christians, who want to be intimate with God, who want to have an intimate relationship with God, need to do what God tells them to do. Makes sense. We looked at it last week where the lawyer was trying to trip up Jesus and he said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying. You want to be my friend? Do what I tell you to do. Don't be in rebellion against me. Follow me. Take my teachings and put them in your heart and live them. This is what my friends will do. The next verse, 15. No longer do I call you servants. That word servant in the original language is doulos. How many of you have ever heard of a doulos? Anybody? Douloses are very popular today because they, that, that's the name that, that midwives use, basically. And it's not really even midwife as much as it is just an attendant, a person who is specifically trained to be with you pre, during, and postpartum um, to help the, the, the mother to deal with the birth process. And a doulos is a person who serves 
the, the, if you look at the definition, you can find that it can be a slave, it can be a bond servant, or it can simply be a servant. And if you look here in Ephesians, in, in the, in the version I'm looking at is the English Standard Version. They have chosen to use the word servant, not slave or bond servant. Um, and this idea of servant is simply a person who serves, a person who is there to attend, a person who is there to do the bidding of their master, if you will. They don't, they don't get a choice, they just do. That's what servants do. They don't, they're not involved in the planning of the process, they're just given their assignment and they go do their part. They don't have to know the big picture, they just are doing their section which forms one cog in the entire machine. And it doesn't make any difference if they get the whole understanding or the know the whole picture. It's just theirs to do because they were told to do it and they signed on. So now they're a servant. It's kind of like when I was in the military. When I was back, when I joined the military from 1977 to 1998, I was taught that I well actually not just taught. I, I raised my hand and I said, I do solemnly affirm or swear that I will uphold the Constitution of the United States. I will defend it and I will follow all the orders of those who are appointed over me. So my job in the military was when I was given an order, I did it. I didn't have to understand. I didn't have to agree. I just had to do. That was my job. When I was in the tail end of my military career, there was a sea change going on in the culture of the United States Air Force, and it was across the board in the Department of Defense. Everyone needed to understand that they were part of a team, and they needed to be under explained why. And so you had to sit down with your subordinates and explain to them the processes that you were going through and why you were going through them. And if they had questions, you were to sit there and, and answer them and help them to come alongside so that they felt like they were contributing to something. It wasn't just following orders blindly. And my response to that training when I went to it initially was, okay, so I'm out in the field and I'm the NCOIC of this team and we're all carrying M16s and I happen to see that there's a machine gun nest and it's getting ready to blow us apart because none of us are aware that it's there. And if I yell, drop! And I have to spend five minutes explaining to them why it's important that they follow my, my orders, then they're all dead. So the idea of a servant, a slave, if you will, but a servant is they don't get the choice or the, the option of questioning, they just do. They don't get the ability or the, the, the privilege of being brought into the council room. They just receive the order once the decision has been made and the plan's been put into place. Here's your part of it. Go. And then they have to go. Now, in, in Jesus's words here, he's saying, I don't call you that. I'm not expecting you to blindly follow me. You're my friends. My job with you is to ask you to be part of this and to explain and discuss and help you understand. And do, do you, do you want to see where I'm talking, where I'm coming from? Look at verse 16. Excuse me, verse 15. I don't call you servants for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I, you, for all that I have heard from my father, I am making known to you. You are getting the privilege, albeit secondhand, you're getting the privilege of having, of all of the stuff that went on between the father and the, and the son while they were in conference together in prayer. Jesus would go off quietly to pray, if you remember any of those times in the Bible. 
And then Jesus would come back and he would explain to his disciples, his friends, what it was the father was doing and why and why it was important. And they had the privilege of face to face, voice to voice, ear to ear communication, instantaneous response, the ability to ask questions, say, "Uh, I don't get it and get an instant response. It was incredible the, the, the ability that Jesus' friends had while they were while Jesus was on the earth. I struggled, not a lot, but I struggled with this in trying to see, and I was I was I was sincere. It wasn't just a question. I was sincere. Lord, this was Jesus talking to his disciples up in the upper room following the Last Supper. What of this is only for them and what of it is universal to all of us? Well, I've never heard anybody balk about me being part of the vine. So I think I can justify saying verses 12 through 17 are talking to all of us. That Jesus calls us friends. That Jesus gives us information beyond what a servant would get. If you look at verse 16, one of the most powerful things for me, Jesus said to his friends, you did not choose me. I chose you. I had a reason for choosing you. And he says right there, I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, the fruit that would be that would abide so that wherever you whatever you ask in my Ask the Father my name, he may give it to you. This is, this is what he's at. He's, he's hoping the fruit will be. But he's saying, I chose you. This human being, the one sitting before you, was one of the last ones picked whenever there was sporting events at school. I was one of the last ones. I mean, literally looking around, I'm going, really? You're not choosing me over them? Come on. And I felt this big. I had absolutely no skill when it came to sports. I didn't. I mean, I freely admit it now at 63. I don't have any shame in it. But back when I was 10, there was great shame in being the last one on the wall. So to come into a relationship with the almighty God, knowing that God specifically chose me. It's an incredible, incredible privilege, honor, joy. He calls me friend. On top of that, look at the screen. Now, I know for those of you with limited vision, the sight, the, 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 the image is really small as far as the letters. But that's just one chapter ahead in this discourse that Jesus was having with his disciples. It's John chapter 14, verses 15 and 16. And let me read them to you. John chapter 14, verses 15 and 16. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, which goes right right along with what Jesus said in 15. If you are my friends, you will keep my commandments. 16, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you'll see me 
Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Then if you skip down, verse 25. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and He will co- we will come to him. Here it is. We will come to him and we will make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. What Jesus is saying to his friends. Is I've chosen you. And you are not just a servant. You're not just a doulos. You are an intimate comrade with me and you have access to the very mind of God you have access to the plans the the thoughts, the hopes, the dreams we don't keep these secrets from you, there are certain things that you're not going to know because it's not yours to know but you need to understand that you are given an incredible privilege because I have chosen you to be my friend. I have chosen you to have intimacy with me, to know me, to not have to travel halfway around the world to go to the Temple Mount in order to relate with me. I will be with you daily. In Jesus' own words, I will be in you. Regardless of where you are on the face of the earth, or even if you're out in space somewhere, on a NASA mission to Mars, the God of all gods, the only God there ever is or ever was, will be with you. And will be sharing truth with you. Now the one thing you do need to keep in mind, I am a fan of Downton Abbey. How many of you have ever seen that show? Okay, a lot of you do. Some of you haven't. Give you a real quick synopsis. It's set a hundred years ago. It's in the, in, in, in a, in a castle, if you will, with a lord and his wife and their children and their servants. And the guy who plays the butler, the guy who is the butler, Mr. Carson, has been with the family since the grandmother, who is now in her eighties, was the mas- mistress of the house. And that he has raised up to be now the butler. And he desperately loves the eldest daughter of the family. And at one point, she has gone through a horrible thing where her husband has been killed tragically. She had a baby. She's grieving. She's literally locked in her grief and she cannot get past it. And Mr. Carson, this man who desperately loves and honors this young woman, comes to her privately and says... You need to come back to us. You need to release your pain, your grief. You need to do something intentional. And I'm challenging you. Now, do you hear what's happening? A servant is challenging one of the ladies of the house. And the lady of the house turns to Mr. Carson and she's had a relationship with him since she was a little, little girl. She loves him, but she turns to him and she says, Carson, 
I am afraid that your long years of servitude have brought you to a misunderstanding that you have the right to speak to me like this. And he was like, Hamad, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he backs off. Now, later on, she comes back to him and she says to him, you were right in challenging me, however, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that happened. But in that moment, the servant crossed the line that didn't, he didn't have the right really to, to cross. And she challenged him on it and said, you back off. It is not yours to talk to me like this. Same thing with this friend and almighty God relationship. You have the privilege of having almighty God sit on your couch in your living room sharing with you intimate details and plans about what God wants and how God needs and God needs you to be part of. And there's this incredible intimate sharing and it's 24-7. You don't have to go. He comes to you. He's chosen you. He's shared. He has saved you from your sins. He has filled you with his Holy Spirit. He has empowered you and gifted you so that you can do the work that he's calling you to do. But he is still God. And you better not take him for granted. Ah. Ha. We are so easily caught up in doing church and doing devotions and having small group. And doing ministry in the world, whether it's food ministry or ministry to homeless or ministry to uh, prisoners. And if you are not intimate with God in all of it, it's wasted effort. Because the world can do all of that. You have the privilege of hearing from God and have him guide you to do the things that God needs you to do. God has a plan. He said, Jesus said to his disciples, I am calling you my friends and I'm, we're sharing you with this truth. My hope is that you will abide, obey the commands and that you will have fruit, fruit that will last. But the challenge is we human beings make the mistake of crossing the line every so often through carelessness or callousness or even bravado sometimes. And so my encouragement to all of us, and again, I'm pointing at myself with 10 fingers, don't allow the privilege of having the intimacy with the Almighty to be lost because of your carelessness or your callousness or your bravado. Let's pray. Father God, we we submit ourselves to you. We acknowledge you for who you are. And we are so thankful that you chose us to be your friends. Help us, God, to honor that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.